just start with this one right ahead. What is the role of spirituality or religion in your life? Wow. So, um, you know, that's an interesting question for me because um, I don't, I'm, I'm not a religious person at all. Um, I think that, you know, I grew up in a family, we, my family was Baptist, and um, I think I realized early on that that wasn't really how I thought. Mm. I have no, you know, um, I don't have any issues with it, you know, so much as like, you know, some people feel like, oh, I was, I was uh, raised this way and I'm going to rebel against it. It wasn't sure. that for me, you know. To me, I guess I just feel like, you know, I have such, you know, belief in people and humans and who we are and what we do and the decisions we make that I feel like it's more important to focus on that. And, you know, when you, when you start making decisions based on what a um, third party who's not speaking to you is, is thinking, I, I feel like, you know, if there is a God out there, I'm not capable of comprehending what that entity thinks, thinks about us, and how I would interact with that. So I I don't think about it in those mm -hmm. terms, right? You know, and I've got no issue with how anyone thinks about spirituality or God or gods or whatever. I'm mm. totally, I, I think what you believe is what you believe. And that's just something that's, that's inside of you. But for me, I, I'm definitely more of, um, I guess the term would even be humanist mm -hmm. where I, I just think that um, I try to be the best person I can be. Yeah. And I try to do as much good for as many people as I can do. And I mean, even going back to, to what I do for a living, I, you know, mentioned, I don't know if this is going to be in a separate podcast where I mm. said this or if it's in this one, but, you know, I, I talked about how music brings bliss. And I think that, you know, perhaps for me over the years, the music thing has become a, uh, kind of ritualistic in, in nature in a sense of a religious kind of way where I really do, when you're listening to a great song, it just takes you to a place of such comfort that um, to me, that's, that's, that's what I hope heaven is like is, <laughs> you know, just a continual playlist of all the music I love. And then even better yet, all the music that I haven't heard that I will love. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, I mean, the, you know, there's some things, you know, over the years that I do, I mean, to me, once again, it's about, you know, inner feelings and every individual can have their own thought on this. But one of the things that over the years that I, th I think when you hit your your late forties or something for me, when I became 50, it was, it was, um, 
it was a, it was a bit of a struggle. And um, your mind, there's three times in your life your mind rewires, basically. Hmm. The first time is when you're a baby. So it's not really rewiring, but it's becoming what it is. Your sure. synapses are shaping and, and you're becoming the human being that you are. Yeah. And then when you're a teenager... Mm-hmm. Through like almost your early twenties, you're you're it's same thing is happening. You're going yeah. through your brain is literally going through a different process. And then there's a third time in middle age. And I feel like for me, it was right around that this the time when I turned 50, this was happening again, where I had um I feel like it was, you know, perhaps an element of depression. It was certainly, I felt stress in a different way than I do right now. Mm. Like it was really, I felt incredibly stressed. Um, And so I, this will sound weird, (laughs) but I had a dream where I learned transcendental meditation. Mm. And I thought I was, I thought that was you know, weird, but you know, my first degree, actually I said I have a degree in education Mm -hmm. and, uh, but I have an associate's degree in psychology. Okay. So I'm by no means an expert (laughs) uh, in anything, but it did teach me a lot of basic, you know, ways that psychologists think about human nature and and how our mind works and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And that's always, I think, helped influence the way I think. So, I did believe that having a dream about learning TM um, was my brain, myself, telling me that I need to do something to help myself um, be calm yeah. or, or feel less stress. Yeah. And it's not good. It's unhealthy to have stress in your life. So I spoke to my wife about it and fully expecting her to think I was insane. <laughs> and um, she's like, you know, that might not be a bad idea. Yeah. And um, so we dug into it and ended up, we were going on vacation in um, Asheville, North Carolina, and we ended up finding someone there to, to be able to teach us TM. And we were really lucky to find these great teachers that are um, really well-known in, in that community and there was another thing that happened too, actually, before that, which was I had this dream about it, and then we were invited to perform at an event that David Lynch puts together every wow. year, and uh, he raises a lot of money for transcendental meditation. Cool. And at this thing, at the, you know, during b- before the sound check. David Lynch and Bob Roth, who's one of the main guys in the TM organization at this point, uh, his book is great. I forget the name of it. I'm drawing a blank on it. But if you look it up on Amazon, mm-hmm. um, it's a great insight into TM. And and anyways, um, they did a thing where it's like, hey, if you want to yeah. come check this out, it's kind of just a basic intro lesson to transcendental meditation. And um, so, you know, one of the things they repeat over and over is that this isn't a religion. You know, there's nothing religious about this. So that was one of the reasons why I was like, and there's been a lot of medical studies that you can research that prove that when people are, are in a meditative state, and it doesn't just have to be TM, 
But when you're in a meditative state, your your heart rate goes down. You know, there's all mm-hmm. these things that that make you know physically is better for you. Yeah. And so I took that evidence, and then you you have this thing, and there's David Lynch and Bob up there doing this, and it really was as simple as just okay, close your eyes and let's let's just be calm and and um, you know for 20 minutes, 20 minutes twice a day, and um, it was you know it wasn't like I had this light go off in me after that, but it it felt good. And I felt better for it. Yeah. And that's when I was like, you know, we really should dig into this. And and so I reached out to the David Lynch Foundation people that I've been dealing with. And I think they were the ones that, that recommended the people in Asheville. Or my wife might have found them. I can't remember now how we ended up with them. Mm. But we went. And it's a series of like, I think you're there, I think, for three hours, for three or four days uh, each day. And for us... I mean, it sounds weird being on vacation and doing that, but it was kind of it kind of worked, and my son did it as well. He's 16 now, and and um, we were a little worried about that of like was well, some kind of weird mind control and <laughs> and uh, or something like that. But so we do that, and um, I got to say that there are days I miss, uh, do, you know, meditating, and I feel it. You know, when I do, I feel more stressed and I feel less energy. So I really do try to to meditate twice a day for, for 20 minutes. And mm-hmm. once again, there's nothing to me, there's nothing spiritual about it. I think of it as physical. I mm-hmm. think of it as something you're doing, even though you're doing it with your mind, but it's something you're doing and your mind is, is your, your brain is a physical thing yeah, as yeah. well. Right. You know, so you're doing it for that. So that to me is if there's anything that's kind of ritual that I do it would be that, but I, I don't look at it as any different as, you know, going to exercise at the Y every day or something like mm. that. You know, your mind, you know, I, I think about, you know, especially when I was right around 50 or so, and I was kind of, I think at that point my brain was rewiring. I I would think a lot about like, you know, I've probably got you know less time in front of me than I have behind me. And, and you know, I don't want to be older and not be coherent, mm-hmm. you know, and I think... I really believe that you need to exercise your mind just as much as you do your body. Mm-hmm. So that's healthy. You know, so I'm, I read, I think listening to music, I think that um, wrestling with concepts that are unusual to you. I mm-hmm. mean, they'll say, learn a foreign language when you're older. Um, I'm sure the same applies to learning music, that that exercises your mind. So, you know, those are things that I look at where this concept of constant learning is is something that's very important to me. I mean, I've had some people ask me why do I why do I keep doing things? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I could just stop at being the manager of the Flaming Lips, mm-hmm. you know, or I could just stop at being the manager of the Flaming Lips and running ACM, you know. And it's like I don't want to. I th- I think part of of living life is a continual movement of moving forward. Yeah. You know, there's the the joke Woody Allen uses in the movie Annie Hall where he talks about, you know, love is like a shark, you know, and it's got to continually move where it dies. And mm. what we have is a dead shark and then they break up, you know. I feel like life is, you know, for me like that, 
it's probably different for other people, but for me, I always have to have these small steps of things that what's the next thing yeah. I want to see happen. You know, mm-hmm. I can't rest on just ACM in existence and it's like, okay, that's it. Now it's like, okay, what what do we do next exactly. to make things better for everyone? And and um sometimes there's days when that's really, really hard because just like an artist, you know putting a record out and people don't like it or something. I mean, there's some ideas I have that just don't work, you know, Mm -hmm. but you can't end with that. You have to just be like, okay, well that doesn't work. What's something else that could, Mm -hmm. and, and then move forward, you know? Um, what is your definition of God? (laughs) Well, I think I touched on it some, I think that, you know, um, that it's the individual decides what that is. So that definition is is different for everyone. But for me, um, God is something I can't comprehend. Uh, that to me is kind of the definition, and I recognize that that about myself. So um, that's that's where it ends to me. Yeah. You know, I really appreciate when people give <laughs> I don't know answers. Yeah. Because it it's a it's as valid as giving an answer. <laughs> well, I mean it's it's the whole thing of like I I won't just flat out say there isn't a God because there might be and but there's no way to know except how you personally feel mm-hmm. about it. That's the nature of what this concept of God is for. Which tends to make me feel, um, you know, uncomfortable, to be mm-hmm. honest, you know. And, and so, you know, once again, my definition of God, you know, for me is I know I, I can't come up with one because it just, it doesn't work in my mind like that. I'm, I'm, I have a feeling that for whatever reason, what I was brought up in, I recognize to me isn't isn't quite right. But the thing that is right, I don't I don't know if I'll ever be able to understand that. And I've come to peace with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, and that's good. Yeah. <laughs> um how do you determine what good behavior is? Well, I think I once you know uh, I keep saying this, but you know you you know what good behavior is. Mm-hmm. You know immediately when you do something that isn't good. Mm-hmm. You know um, if you're um, a human with a working brain, you feel guilt when you're not doing good. Mm-hmm. You know, and and. Um, some people don't have working brains, though, so that that yeah. gets a little rough. But I mean, I think, I guess to some degree, I live by the golden rule. It's like I want to treat other people like they, I would want them to treat me. Mm-hmm. And um, I believe, I think my inclination as as a human is to immediately like people to immediately want to help them in ways that I can without hurting myself. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a fine line there. Yeah. 
but you have to be um, cognizant of not letting things get in the way of you. Cause the best thing you can do for other people is for you to be good first, right? Not good in the sense of good or bad, but good in I'm healthy, I'm mm -hmm. safe. Then it's just like when you're on an airplane and they tell you if the mask dropped down, put yours on first mm -hmm. and then you put it on your child or whatever. Yeah. Because if you're trying to put on your child and you pass out as you're doing it, you're both going to be hurt, right? Exactly. You know? So it's that same kind of thing. You have to be in a good place to be able to um, help others and all that. And, and you also have to know what you are capable of helping people with, right? You know? So to me, that's, that's once again, that's why I want to grow the music industry and those things. Yeah. Exactly. Cause I know there's a lot of people here that want to do this. And I know I am one of the luckiest people in the world mm -hmm. to have the career I've had and be able to do what I want. I mean, from the time I was 15 working in a record store, I've never wanted to do anything different. Yeah. Right. You know, and to know that I'm, you know, odds are, you know, going to be able to continue the rest of my life doing this thing that I love. Mm -hmm. um, now it's my job to help others do that. Mm. Right. You know, and like with my family, with my son, his dream isn't to be a, a band manager or work in the music industry. He wants to be an engineer uh, and not a recording engineer, but a mechanical or, mm. or aeronautical engineer or something like that, you know? So, I don't, I, you know, I'm doing what I can to help other people. And then how I'm helping him is, is a different kind of way, um, you know, by helping him go to college and, and all those kinds of things, yeah. you know, but what I'm doing for the community as a whole, I can only do what I know and what I know well is music stuff, yeah. you know, so. <laughs> um, how do we reduce the division that seems to have, well, I guess there was a point where I, when I asked this question where it was, that has seemed to permeate our culture lately, but I guess even more so it's that has always permeated our culture. Right. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's incredibly um, difficult times, I think. And it's not unusual. This this is cyclic. As a mm -hmm. as a student of history, you know, you see these things where they come and go, and that actually is really frightening because there's been horrific times in human history when horrible things have happened because people start thinking of some other group of people as lesser than mm -hmm. them. So you know what we do is recognize that people who disagree with you. Um, as long as they're not trying to hurt you, you try to understand why they think the way they do. Mm -hmm. You know, I was not a Trump supporter. And when he became elected, we were having dinner with a group of friends and, you know, everyone at the table was kind of, oh, we're bummed out Trump got elected, except for this one guy who was really quiet. Mm -hmm. And he was like, you know, uh, well... I voted for Trump hmm. and it's not like anyone attacked him except I think his wife kind of did, but, <laughs> uh, 
but you know, I, I said, well, let's hear, I mean, this yeah, is yeah. who we need to hear. Exactly. Why, what was it? And his answer was simple. He just said, I just wanted to change. Mm-hmm. And which makes me really sad that Bernie Sanders didn't run against him. Yeah. Um, because I, I think Hillary would have been a great president, but I think that Bernie would have had a better chance to win against Trump, you know, in hindsight's 2020. Sure. But, um, but you know, I, I think that we need to hear why people, why is there such the divide? And, you know, sometimes I think we have to step back from fighting the smaller fights and, and, work on the bigger things. And it's really easy. I think that um, some groups of people can focus on such a big picture and then others simultaneously that are working against them focus on such a small thing that you're not even, Mm. um, it's not even like there's a fight. Yeah. Yeah, You know, it's, it's just this total disconnect and we've reached this total disconnect and everyone is in their the, their little silos, and they're terrified for some aspect of who they are. And, you know, for me, I could be terrified because it's shifting where it's not going to be older white guys in mm-hmm. charge of everything, mm-hmm. right? I could look at that and be terrified. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not because I have faith in people mm-hmm. as a whole, and I like that. America is, is, I was about to say, I like that America is embracing the changes, but it really isn't. Mm -hmm. Um, I hope that we eventually embrace the change. It's inevitable we will. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why there is such a divide now between people here in the US, Mm -hmm. that the people that don't want change to happen because you get comfortable with how things have always been. Mm-hmm. And it's strangely not just older people, mm-hmm. right? It's people with certain belief sets that don't want that to change because that's how it's always been. And, you know, I wonder if that's, is it in our memories, in our genes, the same way that our genes tell us what hair color we're going to have and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, what eye color we're going to have and those things are things in us like memories, you know, is there something that gives us an inclination towards totalitarianism mm-hmm. versus democracy? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Sure. But you kind of wonder because these things keep popping up. I mean, just, even with the elections that just happened in Europe right now, yeah. and it's the whole world, even India, mm-hmm. they're switching to, you know, a lot of these people are being elected based on, I think, fear of change, mm-hmm. you know, and so much change has happened so quickly because of the internet and because of how information is available to anyone to learn about anything in a second, mm-hmm. right? You know, you just type something in and all this information pops up about something. For governments, for people that have been in power a long time, for a lot of religious leaders, this is a frightening thing mm-hmm. because it's shaping, you know, it's reshaping everything. It's a paradigm shift. And, you know, in a micro 
view of it, you could look at the music industry and it's in the same boat Mm -hmm. where it's like people can download everything for free. Yeah. You know, for a decade there, we were all, the music industry was terrified of like, what's happening? Yeah. Well, now streaming has proven to be profitable and it's Mm -hmm. a different thing, but even that's not the end result, right? You know, that's a... We're probably not even halfway to where it's going to end up being for another 20, 30 years, you know. (laughs) Uh, At some point, we'll probably just be able to think about music and it be, you know, in our brains, you know. I'm not because I like the experience, but. (laughs) I agree. I mean, I still, I I have my records and turntable, you know. I still love CDs, though, and I love it all. I mean, I, I really do. I mean, I can't, you know, now that I have. And this will date me as well, but mm-hmm. you know, uh, my iPhone, which I was about to call an iPod, but <laughs> you know, when when we first traveled with Flaming Lips, you know, I would literally take a notebook full of CDs and have a portable CD player and have yeah. like fifty CDs with me. Mm-hmm. Now it's like you know, when the iPod came out, you could have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds mm-hmm. of records. Um, I mean, it it, it it's just. We're in the best of times. Yeah. This is the other thing that people need to remember is that we're always in the best of times. Going forward is always better than the past. Mm-hmm. There might be things you're nostalgic for in the past, but that doesn't mean it's better. Mm-hmm. It just means it's something that you loved from back then. Yeah. And I guess I'm always happy with, let's move forward. Let's move forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which really transitions into my next question really well. What makes you optimistic about our future? I think that the way we can communicate with everyone. I mean, when I was young, the idea of having a friend in Russia, for Mm -hmm. instance, was impossible. Yeah. You couldn't even write a letter to Mm -hmm. someone in Russia because they would stop it from getting to that person, (laughs) Right. right? But now we can communicate with anyone, anywhere, mm-hmm. immediately. Yeah. You know, it's not perfect yet, but we're getting to that point. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be the thing. And I think that's part of what the big fight in our world is right now, mm-hmm. is the people that were used to separation of humanity mm-hmm. that aren't comfortable with the idea that in our, maybe not my, but in your lifetime, mm. we're becoming one world mm-hmm. instead of a whole bunch of countries. Sure. And, um, you know, that I think is to some people incredibly frightening. Mm-hmm. It, it We're becoming the Star Trek world. <laughs> That's what we're becoming, mm-hmm. which is a good thing. Cool. Except we have to worry for aliens and stuff but that's a, that's another whole thing sure yeah. <laughs> well we haven't seen them yet so we haven't no they're <laughs> out there but we haven't seen them yet <laughs> um what makes you happy oh you know i mean my family makes me happy and and i just i i like being around people and i i like making people happy with music, you know, and helping them discover things that they like. I mean, I've said this time and time again, you know, ultimately, you know, the, all the reasons why I do everything I do is just so I can keep amassing a huger record collection. So, <laughs> you know, but I hate to think that it's, you know, 
owning things that make me happy. I, you know, the older I get, the more I look at it and it's like, why do I have all this stuff? But then I sit there and I, you know, pull out the records and I look at them and I read the liner notes and I'm playing a record and it makes me feel really good. But, you know, I mean, I, I think what makes me happy is knowing that people are continually making wonderful art and food and how things just continually to get better that there's, you know, there's a, an amazing star Wars uh, thing at Disney. Now that makes mm. me happy. You know, I mean, it's like, it's those things, you know, the fact that I can, you know, just experience all sorts of things. Um, on a continual basis, that makes me happy. That I'm healthy, that makes me happy. Um, you know, that we're not, you know, as bad as things are, there is still not like people are fighting in the streets, you know, that's a good thing, mm-hmm. you know. So, you know, and um, whenever the Flaming Lips put out a new record that I get to listen to, that makes me happy. Yeah. Whenever, you know, I'm my favorite bands that do things. Whenever I get to see the Who play, you know, that makes me happy. Mm-hmm. Um, I love reading comic books. Whenever, <laughs> you know, whenever there's a new Star Trek movie, that makes me happy. Yeah. You know, so. Um, but seeing my son grow up makes me happy. Seeing that he's on a good path, you know, that's, that's really important. And, you know, being with the family that I love, you know, that makes me happy. So, yeah. <laughs> Good food. That makes me happy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, what advice do you have for people in general? Oh, gosh. I mean, I, I think, you know, Wayne, who's a very sage individual, um, he hasn't asked me in a long time, but... Um, occasionally when he meets someone and he talks to them, he'll say, when will you be satisfied? And, um, you know, that can refer to how much are you going to eat or are you drinking too much or mm-hmm. are you buying too many things or, you know, you know, whatever. And I think to some degree, Maybe that's, that's it. It's like, you know, be, be satisfied more. I'm not saying don't have a drive, Mm -hmm. you know, but it's like, just, there's always things that can be worse. I mean, we're so lucky to live here and do what we do when there's so many places in the world that are, are just horrific compared to where we're at. And try not to lose sight of that and just be thankful and try in your small way to make, make things be better for, for someone else. And, and, uh, that always pays back in huge ways too. Yeah. <laughs> um, potentially the hardest question I ask, cake or pie? <laughs> you know, that's, that's funny. That's a debate we have in, in our household quite a bit. My, I think both my wife and son would argue uh, pie, mm-hmm. no matter what. And, um, but I got to tell you, I think I would go with cake. Great. I think I would go with cake. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
what's what's the, the I would ideal actually cake. I would actually go with ice cream is what I would go with. Sure, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's the best. Oh yeah. <laughs> um so I usually try and have more of a conversation on the second one, so I'm not just barraging you with questions. Yeah, yeah. But do you have any questions for me? <laughs> well, I'm you know, I'm you know, obviously you've done a hundred of these <laughs> and I haven't listened to um to them yet, but I'm I'm gonna go in and listen to them. But I mean I'm I'm curious for you, like you've asked all these people, especially with their you know, their spiritual and religious things. I mean, has anyone come back to you with something that surprised you and then made you revisit your own beliefs? Um, I think I've always been trying to just like keep spreading out in some way. Um, about the time when I started this, um, I was pretty much like not fully strict atheist, but like pretty much. Um, now it's kind of morphed into like, a. it's not that I don't believe in God. It's just that I don't think so. Um, but it, it still has been more open than anything that instead of being more strict and just kind of like, no, it, it's kind of just become like a, it, who knows? You know, it's funny because with you asking that question, I assumed that you were religious. Sure. <laughs> you know, I I was you know so I was a little like okay, well I don't want to say anything, and I don't ever want to say anything to offend anyone because I I really I have no no issues with anyone's belief. And I don't either. You know, which is kind of why I keep asking it. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, more so, it's 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 a it's a way of getting to know someone more than um, I don't know. It, like you can sort of triage how well you know people, and it's like we like the same things, or we you know we hung out this one time and had this cool experience. Uh, but then there's like we've talked about the nature of the universe and existence, um, yeah. and that's that's a level that. I really enjoy getting to with people because it really gets to the core of who a person is without necessarily having to, um, you know, go on a road trip with them or something. Right. Or, um, you know, watching a, a whole bunch of movies that they've seen too, so you can relate on that. Yeah. Um, and so it it's a way of getting to know people on a deeper level without... Um, well, it, it's just more straightforward. Right. And I, I think it, it really gets to the core of who people are and what sort of drives who they are. Has there been anyone that was just like, I, I can't answer that? Yeah. So, which is why I asked the question before recording is like, is there anything that's off limits? Can you not answer these questions? Right. Um, and I won't say who, but like, some of them, I just didn't answer. I didn't ask the question because they asked not right. to answer them. Right. And there's some people who, you know, for other reasons, kind of stayed ambiguous with it so that they had to avoid. Uh, I don't know. Especially in in Oklahoma, there the uh, religion is is a bigger part of uh, people's lives 
that uh, sometimes it is harder to. Uh, well, it's almost like coming out. You know, exactly. you, you might not want your your family or people to know. You know that are you know close to you. I mean, I think that you know with my parents, my mother in particular, she's still very deeply religious. And mm -hmm. I think she'd be, she probably knows kind of where I'm at, but we don't talk about it. Right. And I'm sure she's fearful for my soul. Um, and I don't want her to have that burden. So I, I, I don't mm -hmm. talk about it very often sure. and no offense to your podcast, mm -hmm. but my mom is nearly 80 and she doesn't listen oh, to no, podcasts. Yeah, you know, so I'm not worried about that, you know. <laughs> um, but, you know, being in a place where to some degree, you know, I am um, a face that's out there for the university and stuff. I always have to be, you know, very cognizant of, of that as well. Right. You know? But I think that also uh, it's good to have people that, have opinions that are the face of things rather than just treating it as like, nope, I don't even touch this subject whatsoever. Like, I appreciate that, you know, we, we're all humans. We all yeah. have beliefs and different opinions and stuff. And that's, and that's okay. And, and part of the, the educational process is having the conversations and right. being able to, well, I think this because of this and you can think otherwise and let's talk about it. Well, you know, my management company is called Hellfire. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, even back, you know, when I started that, there was an element of like, well, you know, my family are probably going to think that me getting in the music business is a bad idea. So I might as well just call it Hellfire, you know. <laughs> and, um, but I am curious. I mean, you know, talking to that many people now, how many, how many percentage wise do you think consider themselves atheist versus, um, I think there haven't been many who just say atheist because it, uh, also it has like a negative connotation, uh, because of, well, I think Richard Dawkins is like the smuggest of atheists and yeah. he, uh, I, I feel like as someone who kind of identifies as atheist, it's like people who are that smug about it make me look bad yeah. because I have to use the same title. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. And so I feel like less people use atheist and more people just say like, I just, religion isn't a part of my life. And right. I think uh, it's probably also because of the the sample that I get, which is like a lot of musicians in like ACM and stuff. So it's probably more, uh, well, I'm not very religious. Uh, and, but there have been, uh, quite a few people who are also pretty religious and pretty open about it. And I really appreciate that they are. Yeah. Um, because in that sense too, uh, being in a, a generally more liberal environment that is music school, the fact that there are people that are still willing to well, no, I know that there's probably a lot of pressure at this age, this time and place for me to not be religious, but I, I'm here and I, this is what I am. And I really appreciate that a lot too. Yeah. I think it's interesting too, how many of the students here are involved in churches mm -hmm. as, you know, part of the, the bands that perform at churches mm -hmm. and stuff 
regardless of whether they're religious mm-hmm. or not, you know? And I, I think that's intriguing to me as well, you know? I think it's... Um I think it's a beautiful thing to be able to participate in music no matter what. Yeah, I and agree. I, and I think that uh, regardless of what it is that, I mean, you could be doing worse things with music. You could be actually doing, you know, harmful things or encouraging harmful things. There's, yeah. I think there's a, a whole subset of like Nazi propaganda music, um, which is really weird, but uh I even if I'm not religious, I would rather play in like a church band than that than, than do something actually harmful or yeah. or promoting actual violence. Have you ever read any Sam Harris? Yes, yeah. uh, his podcast is probably my favorite podcast. Um, yeah. and I, I appreciate the way that Sam Harris uh, is not an atheist in in the the traditional sense that we've come to know it as, but he, um, uh, I've read most of his books. Uh, I think, uh, lying and one of the other end of sort faith. Of smaller ones. Uh, oh, right. I have read end of faith. Um, uh, some of the smaller ones I haven't read, but yeah, I have yeah. read pretty much all of them. And I think that it's less a stance of anti, religious people and more a stance of anti-religion for the sake of the power of belief. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think it's, you know, to me, it's about, once again, making decisions that... (laughs) There's a band out there. Oh, yeah. Uh, You know, it's like making decisions uh, that affect other people than you based on your your faith is the thing that I get very uncomfortable with. Mm-hmm. You know, like, um, we're going to invade this country because they're heathens, you know? Sure. I mean, that's an extreme example, right. but, but it's been known to happen. Exactly. And, um, you know, to me, you know, that's, that's where it's like, I just, I, I, I do not feel comfortable with people making decisions like that, you know, if it's simply a matter of how you connect to God or or whomever, uh, personally, I'm I'm all for that. But the second it it turns into decisions made that affect the workings of everyday life for people that don't believe the same way you do, mm-hmm. that's when I get incredibly uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know, would fight against that as yeah. much as I can, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that's more of like what Sam Harris is also exactly. trying to do. I, he's, uh, he's not trying to stop people from enjoying the things that come out of religion. Yeah. He's trying to stop people from hurting people because yeah. of belief. Well, I think so much of, you know, the church experience and all that is about being, you know, with a, you know, a group of people that are like-minded, you feel comfortable with. And in this world, you know, and there's nothing worse than feeling disconnected. Yeah. And to feel connected to others, uh, if if where you're doing it at is church, then great. Exactly. You know, you know I, I have no issue with that. 
and I was I was raised Catholic, and I I really loved the my Catholic community, um, and it it was I never left religion because of the community whatsoever, um, and uh, I mean earlier you talked about psychology, and and that plays kind of a big part of that that uh, humans want to be accepted by a community. Uh, kind of going back to like hunter gatherer type stuff, and sure. if you were shunned from the tribe, it literally meant death. Yeah, um, and so we kind of have it in us to want to be accepted by a community because it, I guess, at some point, it to our brain just says you are going to live. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, and so it's. It is harder, um, and I know a lot of people that are uh, LGBTQ, and so uh, people who have been in those communities that have felt like there's a part of them that can't be accepted uh, is similar to that of not being accepted by the tribe. Even if they feel accepted in yeah. every other sense, they're still, I don't know, I feel like I can't. Yeah, that's a that's a good way to explain it. I mean, it is funny. We've taken our son to a few different churches just so he could experience them, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was funny, you know, going to the Unitarian Church to me, where that's the one that's like they're not really religious, but it's like a church. Yeah. And I was like, why would you, if you're not religious, why would you have a church? You know, because mm-hmm. it's not really fun waking up in the morning and having to go <laughs> to it and all that kind of stuff, but. You could see why people, why people need that group, and I, I maybe part of how I've come to where I'm at now is that I do have my group. Mm-hmm. It's this, you know, it's this, it's ACM, it's the bands I work with, it's mu- the music lovers group as opposed mm-hmm. to, um, you know, a church group, yeah, or a life group, or whatever that may be, yeah, yeah, and I think that. Um, there is a sense, and this has come up before on the podcast, that um, it would be interesting if um, more people treated music and, and certain things with, with a, a degree of, of sanctity. Yeah, reverence. Yeah, um, that maybe not too much, obviously, because that can produce some harmful effects, but but... In the same way that people meditate, um, taking in music in a form of uh, sacred way um, can probably be really helpful. Uh, well, and a lot of a lot of a lot of churches guitar. do that. Yeah, yeah. You know, music is mm-hmm. a big part of it. You know, mm-hmm. because it's such a great way to convey thoughts and messages and stuff. I mean, once again, I you know, I, I don't know if. I guess to me, I don't feel like anything needs to be formalized because, mm-hmm. you know, we, I mean, I can't say this for certainty, but I don't believe that we, if there, you know, whatever God entity is out there, we really don't know mm. anything about it or what it thinks or whatever. I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, one to incline to believe that. Um, we were ever told to do things, mm. you know. Um, to me, it's it's just 
you know, life is hard enough without having to worry about these these rituals and things. And mm-hmm. and once again, you know, I do believe that there's things that are inside of our genes that that make our minds think a certain mm-hmm. way too. And part of the upheaval of what's going on in our times might be simply that we are going through an evolutionary change where some of these things that have been hardwired into us for a long time, maybe we're working towards getting that out of being hardwired mm-hmm. into us. And that's that's going to create this situation where it's impossible for people that have something hardwired into them to understand the people that don't have something hardwired yeah. into them. And there's no amount of conversation. There's no amount of, you know, anything you can do to make someone understand something that is just in us. Yeah. You know, um, but maybe that's all just bull too. I don't know. <laughs> you know? Right. Well, um, that kind of creates a separate train of thought. And you, you mentioned Star Trek a few times and, uh, I wish I knew Star Trek more than I do because I haven't spent enough time with it. But I do find that um, technology is probably going to be a catalyst for us to go, and we kind of already are, but going beyond biology right. in that sense. Um, that in in the way that uh, we already use our phones as an extension of our brain. I don't have to memorize a whole bunch of people's phone numbers like people had to do in like the 90s or whatever. Right. Now you just look up a name and you call them or text them. Who calls anymore? Or you Uh, just say, hey, Siri, call blah, blah, blah. Right, yeah. Um, And so we're already using our smartphones as an extension of our brain. And so at some point we're going to keep extending that and uh, kind of like you said, beaming the music into our brain or, or even just having uh, learned things, having information going in. Um, do you think that technology is going to, I guess, uh, expand us beyond humanity? <laughs> well, I think that, uh, I mean, yes, it will. We can't comprehend how it will, sure. you know, and, um, but humanity, once again, I think it goes down to um, caring about others and, you know, being true to your, to yourself and who you are and caring about others. And that doesn't change whether we have, you know, a connection to computers as an external part of our body or not, you know, those things are certain things that just, you know, or by the way, you know, a part of every religion anyways, mm-hmm. you know, be good to others, yeah. you know, I mean, that's th- these concepts in every religion are basically the same mm-hmm. uh, for good reason, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, we all know inherently what's right and what's wrong, mm-hmm. you know. Not saying that, you know, 
a kid stealing a piece of bubble gum doesn't understand whether that's right or wrong. They might not understand the concept that they don't own it. Sure. Right? But they do know that it's wrong to hit someone else and make them hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, and that and con- they'll see that. And they'll, and they'll see it. that. Exactly. And and that concept will expand mm-hmm. to mean other things. So I mean that to me is humanity, and that to me is never going to change. The mm-hmm. capability to love, the capability to hate, um, you know, those things are part of humanity, whether we want them there or not. Um, and any technology that, unless we, we create technology that can remove emotional responses from us, you know, isn't going to change that. The scary thing is, who's going to control that technology, you know, and then what is the end result that they want? Mm -hmm. And you don't know. I mean, they might not even be evil, quote unquote, but they might accidentally do something that ends up just messing everything up. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, I don't know. I've seen enough and read enough science fiction that, (laughs) you know, it'll all work out in the end. Eh, Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Or we all die and it doesn't matter, you know. Sure. Um, and I I love cyberpunk, so it's like sometimes those are pretty pessimistic. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I guess one of the last things. Uh, where do you hope the Oklahoma music industry goes? How do you hope to shape it in yeah. a direction? <laughs> well, I mean, I see a place in the future where we have um, some record labels that are based here. We have artists that instead of having to leave to become successful, they can stay here just like the Flaming Lips have. Mm-hmm. And that not only are the bands here, but also their managers and their record labels and their publishers. I mean, these are all very obtainable goals that can easily happen in the next decade. Mm-hmm. I mean, the first dilemma was not having a trained workforce to be able to do these things. Mm -hmm. And that's what ACM's been doing for the last decade. We've been training the people now that are hungry for these type of jobs, right? You know, and a lot of it is, you know, the music industry is incredibly entrepreneurial. Yeah, there are these huge entities like Warner Brothers, uh, which now is Warner Music, Mm -hmm. Warner Music, you know, Sony, uh, EMI, Whatever, Universal, EMI, EMI is part of okay. yeah <laughs> other things now, but Universal Records. Mm-hmm. You know, there's all these there's these big things, but there's also tons and tons of smaller record labels that can become big things. You mm-hmm. know, all these other record labels were small at one point as well. You know, so to me, what I want to do is create a landscape for the entrepreneurial mindset to be able to have the means to grow record labels, grow management companies, grow booking agencies, grow producers and artists and all those kinds of things here. And they have the infrastructure to to help them. So, you know, I've been working a lot with the state and with the city to figure out ways to do that. Um, And ACM is a big part of that. I mean, once again, it's like there are four recording studios here that if you can connect in some way to someone that's connected here, you can record for free, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I think that's a huge asset for the community. Yeah. And and you know, um, 
and just once again training that workforce of people that are there's still more to learn always mm-hmm. right you know even if you come out of here with a degree it's not like you're going to go record you too right mm-hmm. you know there's there's a lot of other levels to get to before you get to a point like that but you have a better foothold to climb that mountain whereas before it was just luck. There was only luck. Mm-hmm. And luck is still a part of everything. But now you can weigh the dice with certain skill sets to where hopefully the odds are better in your favor because you have had, you know, the training and you have resources mm-hmm. available to you. And I feel like if you look at where Oklahoma City was at 10 years ago, mm-hmm. To where we're at now, as far as the music scene goes, I mean, there was no, uh, if you look at studios, Castle Row, if you look at venues, there was no Tower, there was no Criterion, there was no Jones Assembly, Mm -hmm. you know, there was none of those things that now we have. Yeah. And um, that's a... Yeah. You know, (laughs) that's a, a, you know, a big thing. Mm -hmm. Um, What's... What's stopping Oklahoma from getting to an Austin point or a Chicago or whatever? Well, I think what's stopping us is is still the the people, the powers that be, although they like the idea of a music industry here, I think they still can't wrap their heads around that something as great as music can be a business too. <laughs> you know, I think they I think they believe that. I think most people believe that you can't learn to do this, that you can only uh, be born into it. Like you're already, you're born a great musician, right? Uh, Is what they believe. And that because you're a great musician, these other things come as well. Mm. And that's just not the case, you know? And part of what I've been doing the last decade has been, teaching people that that's not the case, yeah. you know, um, not only our students, but the community as a whole. Mm-hmm. And there's also this, you know, thing where people, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm 53 now. And a lot of people that are mayors and on city council and things like that are my age are younger. Mm-hmm. And the idea of the music industry working because they see Nashville, because they've seen Austin, um, that have population bases similar to ours, mm-hmm. because they see it can be successful there. They f- they are the ones that can kind of push some buttons to make that happen. And, and they don't see it as impossible as the generation before them did. Yeah. You know, some of that 70 now saw the music industry is like, oh, that's just not going to happen here, you know? And now I believe there's a new generation of leaders that we have that do see that. Mm -hmm. So now it's our job to explain to them the paths we can take Mm -hmm. to make that happen. Yeah. Scott, thank you for doing this with me. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) This was fun. Yeah. Um, Do you have stuff to plug? Plug? Um, Well, you know, uh, we're enrolling at the school. <laughs> so, you know, if you are interested in, you know, going to school here, uh, hit us up. 
you know, and, and um, you know, we teach people to be performers, producers. We teach various aspects of the music business. So I'd love for, for you to come tour the school and see what we're doing, um, you know, and, and, and see what that's all about. Um, I have two albums coming out soon that I'm involved in. One is a band called Night Moves. It's a band from Minneapolis that I co-manage with Scott Marsh, who um, works at the Jones and books all the bands there and everything. And uh, their record's coming out June 28th on Domino Records. And they're amazing. They're really great. Young band. Uh, it's their third album. This is the first one I've worked with them on. And then uh, they'll be touring as well. And uh, the Flaming Lips have a record coming out on um, in mid-July called uh, The King's Mouth, which we released wow. for Record Store Day already, mm-hmm. but it's going out for wide release now. So cool. it'll be on stream. You'll be able to stream it, and there'll be CDs, and there'll mm-hmm. be, instead of gold vinyl, there'll be black vinyl copies of it available. And, um, you know, that's that's kind of it. You know, Color Music have a record that came out recently, um, and they're working on an, a new record mm-hmm. as well. They're very prolific. Oh, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and then there's just, you know, I mean, I, I just... All the bands from here, I mean, there's so many great artists. Um, you know, there's this band, the Sweet Talkers, that came to visit me the other day, mm-hmm. and their EP is really great. They're they're a band that needs to change their name, but I'll, mm-hmm. I'll let them <laughs> I'll let them figure that out. But uh, it's not a bad name. It's just there's other Sweet Talkers, so it gets confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, I you know one of my favorite bands here is the Love Seats, uh, who are also perform under the name Chelsea days with a couple extra guys. I, I really dig what they're doing. You know, mm-hmm. um, I mean, there's so many things that are involved here. I mean, I always so happy with Dante Jones, who's one of our alums who has a band called they that's on Warner music. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's great. And, but I'm almost just as curious about the other things he produces and other songs he works on and stuff like that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just never ending. I mean, keep an eye on the, um, you know, Facebook pages for ACM and for uh, Hellfire, which is my management company, Hellfire Enterprises Limited. You know, I post a lot of stuff on that. And just, you know, um, yeah, those are the things I want to plug, I guess. Listen to and pay for the music. Yeah, yeah. These days, streaming is great. Just listen and listen and listen. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I will say that, uh, I mean, now that I'm a graduate, but uh, ACM has been a huge part of my life, uh, my formation as a person and uh, uh, foundational for where my career is going to go. So I think that um, I wouldn't be who I am without ACM. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> I mean, it goes both ways. It's like I'm a different person because of all of you that I've gotten to know and and everything that you guys have done. I mean, I recently got this award from the governor, um, you know, for the arts and education governor's arts award. And mm-hmm. you know, I've said this time and time again, and I really believe it. I didn't get it. The school got it. Our students got it. Mm-hmm. It was about you know all the things that we collectively do. Um, I was just the representative for that. And, you know, this hopefully, you know, 
I mean, it makes me really happy to hear you say that because I, that's what I want is just this to be a catalyst for you to be able to do something you really want to do mm. and make a good living doing that yeah. and be happy. So that's the next step, making a living, but yeah. that's a separate thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, maybe you'll, you'll become this huge podcaster and people will spend lots of money wanting you to <laughs> the, sponsor them and all that kind of stuff. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, Again, thank you for doing this. Thanks I'm for Sa having me. Yeah, I'm Santiago Ramones. Scott Booker. Uh, you can find everything that I do on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. I make music. You can find my demo on my website, uh, Songs with Words, and you can pay money for that or not. Uh, pay whatever you want. And then you can find this podcast on all of the places that you can listen to podcasts on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Stitcher. Um, Himalaya is a cool thing. I think they have like tip jars or something. So, um, if you want to give me money, that'll be a neat thing. <laughs> um, and, uh, I always end my podcast with my three things. They shape my life philosophy. Those three things are love never fails. It's going to be okay. I might be wrong.